0: A horrific attack on a teen in Navin causes outrage. We'll bring you the very latest. We'll also be live in New York, where Harry and Meghan are involved in a near-catastrophic car chase. Is our country's diet killing us? We debate. Do join our conversation online with your comments and your questions. It's hashtag tonight, in Navan have confirmed they're investigating an assault on a teenager earlier this week. Footage of the incident has been widely shared online and viewed almost 5 million times. Well earlier I spoke to Virgin Media News correspondent Zara King and I asked her for the very latest.
2: There has been no arrest made this evening on Gardaí I say They continue to investigate it. Um, they're asking people to come forward. They're particularly looking to gather, I suppose, witness statements uh, to this incident. Anyone who will have seen that footage online today will know that it was uh, very, very difficult viewing Um a young person walking across what looked like a sort of a green area in a residential area. Um, I know that investigators have asked people not to share this footage online. Uh, just to be clear, this footage is being blurred to protect the identity of the person at the centre of that as we show it for news access this evening to explain to people what's unfolded. Um, in relation to the individual at the centre of this, they have sustained um, serious facial injuries and were treated at Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital in Drogheda and I said that investigation ongoing. But at this point, as we speak tonight, nobody has been arrested for that.
0: OK, the Taoiseach, Leo Vratkur, was also asked about
2: this a little earlier. What did he have to say? Yeah, so the Taoiseach was speaking earlier on today um, condemning this attack and in particular his comments as I was pointing to the fact that he wanted to send his solidarity uh, to the person at the centre of this uh, expressing empathy to the family of course. He said, I would say to them that life does get better. It is very sad that people experience violence and bullying in school but life does get better and I would say uh, do not give up. The Taoiseach added that he understands there is a guard the investigation underway and uh, that the victim had been treated for those injuries. Um, I suppose, looking at the center of this is going to be a young person mm. who um is dealing with all of this uh, Kira and really what's crucial is that anyone who was there on the day, anyone who witnessed anything, uh, this is their opportunity to contact Gardaí and, and to help with their inquiries in this investigation. I am very conscious
0: that at the centre of this mm. is a young person yeah. who is probably traumatised by what happened, but also traumatised by the fact that this has gone yes. viral, as we mentioned at the beginning, over 4 million views yeah. on social media today.
2: Yeah, and the reaction has been enormous and, and one of huge empathy. And, you know, people who have uh, shared the video have done it in many cases with good intentions. They, you know, they've shared it to be um, sort of, you know, condemning it and to say solidarity with the individual. But unfortunately, I suppose uh, as people retweeted and share it, perhaps they're not conscious of the fact that maybe they don't realise that actually sharing it is sort of um, perhaps adding further to that individual's um, distress. So, yeah, absolutely. I think the reaction online has been across the board. People are horrified and shocked. I think people um, sort of can't believe what they've been witnessing today. That's definitely been the sentiment across the board. Uh, it's something that was echoed as well today, just in a statement um, by Mary uh, Siri. Carney, who of course is Fine Gael's spokesperson on children as well who just said look this is appalling viewing and uh, said it was a sickening display of violence
0: Alright Sarah King thank you for coming in to us this evening with that update Well now to an alleged car chase involving Prince Harry and Meghan Markle and the paparazzi a spokesperson for the Sussexes, described the car chase as near-catastrophic. It happened after the couple and Meghan's mother attended an awards ceremony. New York Mayor Eric Adams spoke about the chase earlier.
1: I don't think there's many of us who don't recall how uh, how uh, the, uh, his mom uh, died, and it would be horrific to lose an innocent bystander during a chase like this and something to have happened uh, to them as well. So I think we have to be extremely responsible. Uh, I thought that was a bit reckless and irresponsible.
0: Well, let's go to New York, where Sally Patterson is live with the very latest. Uh, Sally, we heard what the mayor there had to say, but what is Harry and Meghan's account of what occurred?
3: Well, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex put out this statement where they alleged that they were followed in their car by around half a dozen blacked-out vehicles. They said there were scooters, there were uh, motorcycles, all trying to chase them, going along the sidewalk, the pavement. They said, following up behind them, they alleged that people were even taking photographs while driving. They said it was dangerous. They said that there were nearly several accidents and they said that it was a serious breach of their safety. We've seen uh, more and more reaction to this over the past 24 hours. They claim that this happened on Tuesday night local time when they were leaving an event in Manhattan where Meghan Markle was honored for her work with women and girls. And they were on their way out with Meghan's mother, got into their car and they say were pursued for more than two hours. Now, we heard from the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, there, saying that he was glad that no one was hurt, that a bystander could have been seriously injured in this incident. But he then also went on to say that it was hard to believe that a chase would go on around the streets of New York City for two hours. It's a very busy and popular city here. There is a lot of traffic. There's a lot of pedestrians. And so the chase the speed in which it was implied that this was going, many commentators and indeed the mayor himself are questioning. But the Duke and Duchess of Sussex were obviously very frightened by the incident. Uh, they say that what we understand now is that they actually ended up getting into a taxi after leaving their own car because they were unable to move or get away. So they went into a police station where an Indian taxi driver said that he picked them up and he said there were paparazzi hanging around, there were photographers following, but he didn't feel unsafe at any point and he didn't say that it was really a chase
0: obviously people will be drawing parallels with the pursuit of princess diana and you can see in harry and Meghan's statement this condemnation of the press who have disseminated some of these images that were taken during this alleged car chase
3: Absolutely. Prince Harry has been speaking about his difficult relationship with the media for, for, you know, more than a decade, two decades, really. And his mother did, of course, pass away in 1997 in a car accident. So it's really no surprise that this is something that he holds very close to his heart and really does spark real fear and anxiety in him, not just for himself, but for his wife and children, who thankfully were not in the car at the time. But we've heard him speak out multiple times about his very difficult relationship, particularly with the UK press, particularly with UK paparazzi. He's spoken about how in 1997 when his mother died in Paris how there were pictures coming out of her lifeless body and he said he says in his book, Spare, which just came out uh, a few months ago, he said that people, the paparazzi, continued to take pictures of her rather than checking on her, rather than helping her. They took pictures of her lifeless body as it lay lying and in the road and so this you is see something that Sally he really we're cares oxy-brain. about and feels very strongly about
0: we're very familiar with the paparazzi here in the UK from seeing I was the UK at uh, tabloids and we've seen some of the judgment the very questionable judgment uh, on display when it comes to trying to achieve pictures of celebrities are they as ruthless in the United States and are photographs of Meghan and Harry in this sort of situation are they very very valuable I mean is this making headlines over there
3: Well, I think what's so interesting and why it might be one of the reasons that it is making headlines here is because this is actually quite unusual. People I'm speaking to here say that we don't see the same level of paparazzi hype, especially in New York City, in California. You know, we have Beverly Hills, we have Hollywood, we have lots of celebrities walking around all the time. And so, of course, there are going to be paparazzi moments. There's going to be photographers waiting on street corners, maybe sometimes outside homes as well, hoping to get that golden picture that will land them that check that they're chasing but we also understand that actually on the whole it's much more of a two-way relationship people might even tell photographers where they're going to be uh it's more of a, a, a relationship and more of a dialogue going on so that's why this chase is so uh, big here because this people are telling me is very unusual now the other thing that's tricky here is that the uk media is who uh, the prince and uh mega markle have frequently called out for their treatment they say of them and their family but it's it's blurry when we get to the US because here we have both US media UK media and media indeed from around the world and so whilst we don't know exactly who was responsible for the alleged chase it's it's going to be surprising if it's only US uh, paparazzi US photographers okay. there are privacy laws in place here it's different in each state but you know I think this is going to really put the spotlight once again on privacy on celebrities right to privacy and indeed on the right to a free press as well
0: all right Sally Patterson, thank you for bringing us the latest there from New York. OK, moving on. Uh, Ireland's food system is very much under the spotlight this week after a damning report said the country's diet is like a slow-motion disaster, fueling premature death and disability. The report from the Climate and Health Alliance said the diet has fueled cardiovascular disease, type 2 diabetes and obesity. Well here to discuss this with me is Sinn Féin TD <coughs> and Health Spokesperson David Cullinan, Senator Martin Conway from Fine Gael, and obesity expert Dr Ava Orsmond from Dr Ava's Clinic. You're all very welcome to the programme. Uh, it was pretty dramatic language in this report Dr Ava but do you agree with, with the findings?
4: Absolutely I mean we are spending huge amount of government health budget on treatment of chronic conditions which are basically lifestyle related due to a not just bad diet, but directly overweight and obesity. we have one of the highest levels of overweight and obesity in Europe. I mean, over 70 percent of adult population and children are following. So, of course, it's shocking. And you think about type two diabetes, we're spending over 10 percent of the health budget just for the treatment of type two diabetes. So it is shocking. But also what is shocking that we don't really have public health, you know, plan in place that would actually start the prevention. And what been... I'm saying
0: here is that people
4: are over-consuming mm. food and consuming the wrong types of food. Over-consuming, uh, but under-nutritioning. And yes, and you know, it is leading to overweight and obesity. And now, obviously, with this era of body positivity, we're actually even worried to mention the word overweight and obesity. People don't anymore want to say it. Doctors are worried to mention it. But the reality is that this is all down to overweight and obesity. It's down to the visceral fat which is the deep fat, which is creating low grade of inflammation. And we are not just talking about type two diabetes and cardiovascular disease. Cancers are mainly also related to this. So really, we are spending huge amount of money just treating chronic conditions. Hospitals are overcrowded. GPs are overworked and people are the life expectancy has increased, but at the expense of Polypharmacy. So a number of people are on more than five drugs. They are treated typically for high blood pressure, high cholesterol, uh, some sort of aspirin medication, and um, often two type of cholesterol lowering drugs. And then, you know, type two diabetes is now starting often at the age of 38, where it used to be a middle aged disease. Children, so, 25% of Irish children are overweight and obese. And if the overweight and obesity starts at an earlier age, you can just imagine the consequences later in life. And what is it that we are eating? What is so wrong with our diets? It's obviously unhealthy food choices, but we need to remember that you can also eat too much of the healthy food and you still will get overweight and obesity and you get the same level of the low grade of inflammation. So it's actually wrong to say that it's only the unhealthy food. It's once we have excess calories and we are at the moment knowing that an average person puts between two to five pounds of weight every year if they don't actively do something to maintain their weight. So actually weight maintenance... ultra-processed foods, Absolutely. junk foods, but, and red meats. Yeah, but it's actually what we are eating in 24 hours. Like there is place also for these so-called ultra-processed foods. So let's not just look at one section of, we need to look at the whole picture. And, and I think what we need to also remember that government should start looking at education, and not just only look at the the industry and play what's on the market. We need to go back to basics. Yeah, because in fairness, Martin,
0: they specifically criticise the government in this report. They say the government has failed to introduce policies. And because of that, they have allowed this ultra-processed food and junk Mm -hmm. food to dominate the Irish Diet, they put the blame firmly at your door.
5: Yeah, well, look, I haven't uh, studied the report. It's uh, it's over 100 pages, but look at the like, uh, the findings of it. It's very hard to disagree with. And it is fair critique of, of successive governments uh, that we haven't put money... Uh, in the way we should have, into education and particularly educating people in terms of food, uh, how to eat food properly and appropriately. We also haven't... Why why
0: haven't they, I suppose, Mark? Because this is nothing new. There have been multiple reports from other organisations talking about the Mm. obesity epidemic in this country.
5: You see, it hasn't been done. Now, look what we have seen, a, a significant increase in... Uh, uh, healthy free school meals and, and that type of thing, uh, which has been brought in over the last number of years. So when a young person uh, goes to school irrespective of the background they come from, at least they know uh, there will be a healthy meal for them. Uh, those initiatives are, are very, very important. But I think What we need is a similar strategy to the anti-smoking strategy that we've had very successfully uh, uh, seen, the reduction in the numbers of people smoking uh, over the last two decades.
0: I I suppose what I'm I'm trying to get at, I think we all know what needs to be done. What the report's saying is the government has failed... To yeah. do this. Uh, and, they, and they've had this information at their fingertips yeah. for a long time. Well, look at, um, this is nothing
5: new. Th- There is Healthy Ireland Projects out there, but look at it, 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 it. It's a societal change that's needed as well. I mean, the government can do so much, but ultimately uh, uh, it has to start at home. Parents have to uh, uh, take uh, control of, of their children, work with their children, educate their children. It's in children of, and
0: it, adults now, it's not just the oh children. Yeah, no, no, adults, well,
5: children become adults, so you know, that, that, you know it, it, it's a natural progression. Uh, all, what really does concern me, though, is the number of uh, people with disabilities who uh, are overweight and obese, because uh, people with disabilities traditionally in this country weren't encouraged to be active. I'm on the board of directors of Active Disability Ireland, which is doing huge work uh, in getting young people who are not Paralympian are not people uh, uh, who qualify for special abuse, but people who just have a disability, to just get them active, get them out doing their steps uh, uh, and get them moving about because... All right, I just want to
0: put some of this to David Cullenan because what Martin's saying is here, look, the government are aware they can do more, but they can only do so much. People need to take responsibility themselves too.
1: Well, I think the starting point here is that the report is a wake-up call for all of us. As individuals and it does make a lot of individual based recommendations in terms of what we eat what we consume and so on so obviously all of that is an issue for individuals I would agree with Eva that education is really important here in terms of uh, what we eat and we know the cardiovascular disease is a killer a huge killer with cancer and it is linked to diet so obviously eating better in terms of uh, foods that's based on plant proteins mm. proteins and fish uh, and whole 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 grains and so on are all very important and all of that has to be part of promotion Uh, But I think we also have to look at what the government can do and should do as well. And one of the recommendations is that the government would implement and update the national guidelines on food consumption to look at making healthy foods more affordable. We have a very real crisis at the moment, obviously, with food affordability and people in food poverty. And I think if we want people to eat healthy foods, the government have to do more to make sure that healthy foods are more affordable and more accessible to people.
0: Do they also need to try and make unhealthy foods more expensive?
1: Well, I would be slow to talk about increasing revenues and taxes on any food at the moment because the context and the backdrop right now is that we have a cost of living crisis. I think we have to look at the carrot first before we look at the stick. I think it would be better better if we looked at making healthy foods affordable as a starting point and invest in education.
4: I just find it incredible we're talking about that, you know, expensive of, of food. But actually, look at people always find money for alcohol and they find money for takeaways and all the things. So I don't know if it really is about the expense of the food, you know. But there I is think, a cost of
1: living crisis. Yeah, I know and, and that's fine, but you know we really need prices. to start
4: looking at the education. Education basically at school level, but look at our doctors and nurses. Our doctors and nurses are not knowing how to educate people. People are told to lose weight if they are told to lose weight, but they are not giving specific advice. Our food pyramid is totally outdated. We are still recommend you mentioned there that we should eat whole grains. Irish people love their bread. Bread goes from the morning to the evening and it's very high in carbohydrates, very low in fiber. We need to talk about people to educate, to eat vegetables. We're living in a country where we have plenty of cabbage, plenty of turnip. We need to go back to basics and stop actually just looking at these. I think many of these these findings on this uh, report, we have found them and seen them many times before. There's really nothing new on this. Actually, now it's time to start doing actions. And let's say the things the way they are. Irish people are overweight and obese. They need to lose weight and they need to give exact specific guidance to do that. And they need to be... This needs to start at hospital levels with doctors and nurses. But just be clear, the the report... No,
1: just one second. The report itself has laid out individual-based recommendations. And the report talks about whole grain, it talks about okay. fish, it talks about... It this is where the problem is,
4: because we shouldn't talk... But, about but Irish people I'm, love I'm their bread. With,
1: we're talking here about what's in the report, which has just been published. And I agree that education is really important.
4: And, they, and I, they agree, I
1: agree that exercise is important. Yeah, but uh, but exercise, I also agree that what we eat is important. It, and we have to listen to what the experts yeah. say in relation to health. And they, they don't actually but we also have to, make to bread. Them, we also have to make them here. affordable. I think
5: it's very important that we have the carrot and not the stick. There's no point in lecturing people on it. You need to work with people, you need to encourage people, you need to educate people, and that needs to start at home and at the schools. And
4: okay, we need one the, of the education to know but what they, is they right. People, to people are very either. confused. People are very confused. They don't know anymore what is good to eat and what is wrong to eat because I there's so many mixed messages on the well, internet what, everywhere. Uh, one of the other recommendations within this report, um, Martin, is that we need more of a plant
0: diet. There's Mm -hmm. an over reliance on red meat. I
5: would agree with that. Would you agree with that?
0: Would you agree with that? Yeah, plant proteins. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. But that is obviously going to be very, very, very unpopular with farmers in this country, Mm -hmm. telling people to eat less red meat. If you were in Sinn Féin, would you introduce a policy to try and move people away from red meat in this country?
1: Well, personally, I've. Ate less meat, because uh, red meat, because that was advice I got from my doctor. So I've changed my diet last year and I found that very helpful. So I have been eating less meat. I have been eating more fish. It's about balance. Yes, I do still eat meat. So we have to educate people on what's the best food for people to eat, because as, as the one thing I do agree with Eva on is that we have to do more. We have far too many people who are dying because of heart disease. It puts a huge strain on our health services. Far too many people die. And when this is about life and death, of course, we have to better educate people on what they can eat and what they should eat. It's obviously an individual choice and people have to make that choice. And I would agree again with Martin that we have to encourage people and enable people to eat healthier food. But all of that can come down to
5: cost. Cost is really important. Uh, Everything in moderation. Do you agree uh, with
4: that sentiment, everything in moderation, Eva? No, because the whole thing is that the situation is so bad. I mean, we have huge overconsumption of uh, prescription drugs People are chronically ill, there's a very bad quality of life over 60s because people are living longer but they are living at the expense of drugs. So if you look at the over 60 population, the amount of people that are on polypharma is huge. So and what people you're are...
0: saying is that, is that the message hasn't been sort of strong enough and clear enough from government. No, and there are? is
4: no specific advice. The people that I see in my clinics tell me I was told to lose weight but I was not told what to do. And then I was showed this food pyramid and my doctor said go home and implement this. And the food pyramid it has a glass of orange juice on the bottom shelf which is actually not even on the World Health Organisation guidelines. We shouldn't be drinking orange juice and this but is in the this, current... none of this okay. will be of
1: any value unless we implement the recommendations and I think mm-hmm. that the Oireachtas Health Committee has a very important role to play here to right. bring the authors of the report in to look at those recommendations and look at ones where we can get quick and fast wins. OK,
5: one well, we'll of the that's that's that, would be very much, very, that's something that I, I would very much support and David and I are both on the, the Oireachtas Health Committee. OK, there's just
0: it, one, uh, sorry, specific aspect of this report that they also talk about, which is, I suppose, the junk food marketing Mm. and the consumption, the overconsumption of junk food. What has been done to try and control junk food marketing, particularly on social media channels, to young children? Uh,
5: Not enough, clearly. And, um, you know, I I really do believe that we probably need to implement some of the strategy that was used to reduce the smoking in this country because that was successful. We just we're just conscious
0: one... you've, you've now said that twice. There's yes. not enough been done about obesity, not yeah. enough to be done around advertising, not enough yeah. been done by the sounds of things about this issue at all, Martin.
5: Yeah, well, there needs to be a, a, a full review uh, in terms of advertising, particularly in relation to junk food. I think we most have people to would on. support S- that. S- S- uh, yeah, but, Lucas, I mean, uh, we have to go through the recommendations of the report in detail. We, we need to bring the author of the report into the Health Committee. Perhaps the Health Committee can do uh, a recommendation to government on it. Uh, uh, but look, we have to have a, an adult, uh, non-lecturing debate where we try and bring people with us. Use Why, do the you you're being lectured the here at the minute? No, well, I, I just don't want to see a culture of, of, of lecturing because ultimately you won't bring people with you if you're lecturing, but you have some chance of bringing people with you if you sit down and have a, a, a two-way conversation.
4: But All people right, are interested to be educated. People don't know how to cook. We are yeah. not anymore cooking at home. If people knew how to cook tasty food, they wouldn't take it's takeaways. They, they didn't were. eat ultra processed food. This is where I'm meaning. We have yeah. to start home economics, and we also need to educate our doctors and nurses to give the right yeah. advice. And the food pyramid should need to be immediately re-looked and actually so right. that people okay. would have but some the sort start of-
5: start of my contribution here tonight, I spoke about education and the importance of- creating a whole culture of food education within our primary and secondary school system. All right.
0: OK, look, we're going to have to leave that there for now. My thanks to Dr Ava Orsmond, David and Martin are going to be staying with me as we discuss the ongoing crisis over refugee accommodation and how the protests should be policed. No resolution in the dispute over the use of Hotel and Clare to house refugees. Minister for Integration, Roderick Gorman said today that it is entirely unacceptable for the hotel to be blockaded, adding that it has to be used. Our politicians are still here with me, Sinn Féin TD, David Cullenan and Fine Senator Martin Conway. And we're also joined now by Brendan O'Connor from the Garda Representative Association. You're very welcome to the programme, uh, Brendan. I want to uh, start with you, Martin, because I know you would have been part of that call today that spoke to Roderick O'Gorman. But we understand that this evening that the position there is more entrenched than ever. There is no intention of lifting that blockade because local people who have concerns are saying they felt they got no assurances from the Minister today.
5: Well, there was no assurances uh, uh, provided by the Minister except a commitment uh, to communicate and keep people updated. Uh, But I do want to say, um, Akira, that uh, I don't believe it was appropriate to blockade uh, both entrances to... Uh, McGowan House. Uh, I absolutely respect uh, and encourage protest uh, in an appropriate way. I know people are upset, they're annoyed, uh, they're cross and they're frustrated. But you don't agree with the blockade now? No, I don't. And I do, I would ask people, uh, you know, there's always unintended consequences of this type of thing. And the fact that a number of people left uh, the centre yesterday uh, because of fear uh, that's not what the people who set up the blockade would have wanted, but that is the unintended consequence that happens when you block roads and block entrances uh, uh, to somewhere. So, I would did, did ask...
0: you hear today from the minister how many extra individuals are likely to be housed in the hotel? that's part of Magona House, if and when it gets that fire certificate? Uh,
5: no, we didn't, uh, but there is a commitment from the Minister that he will keep us updated. Uh, my understanding is it will be some time uh, before uh, that property will be ready to house people. Uh, but he's
0: standing firm. Magona House will continue you know, to well, my house understand, My understanding is there's
5: a, 12, there's a 12-month contract signed. Uh, so, yes, it will be used, and it was made clear to us in no uncertain terms that it, it will be used. Uh, but, look, at, um, there has been serious issues with communication uh, and uh, there was no appropriate, in my view, protocols uh, where uh, when decisions like this were being made and centres like this were being opened, uh, uh, there was no, in my view, effective protocols in terms of communication. This was clearly obvious in this case. Uh, when you And had... clearly the government's fault. Uh, David Cullinan... No, but just just before you do it, like, when, when Clare County Council, the refugee council in Ennis. Uh, only hear about this in Clare FM, uh, that's not appropriate. Uh, and the one yes, commi- and that's the government's yeah, responsibility and the to communicate I, The this. one commitment I did get, uh, because I pressed Roderick McGorman very strongly on this today in the meeting, uh, was that there needs to be very clearly identified protocols in terms of communication, and that commitment has been given. So I would be holding Roderick O'Gorman to that commitment going forward.
0: Uh, and in fairness, I think that commitment was given... Previously, that they'd improve communication and it didn't happen here. Uh, David, no. do you agree with the Taoiseach, who spoke earlier today on this, that communities don't get a veto here, that that can't be tolerated?
1: Uh, yes, in the sense that it isn't about a veto. What I, and first of all, I want to call on people who are engaged in this blockade to cease. I think it's it's unacceptable and it's unnecessary in my view, and, and I think they should cease. And I think what we saw in Dublin over the weekend as well was also disgraceful. So obviously there is a lot of anger out there and I think that anger should be directed at governments because what we need to see is proper planning in the first instance, which we don't see. But we do need to see engagement with communities, which is different. We have to inform communities as to what's happening, but we also have to resource those communities. And an example of what I'm but talking sorry, about is Sorry, but you here, also want make this point,
0: blockade lifted at this yes, point. Yes,
1: but if I can make one point, in Balahadrine in County Roscommon, back in 2017. It's a small town of 1,800 people. It took in with open arms and a good heart, 400 refugees who were seeking international protection. They were promised additional resources for schools, for GPs, for healthcare. It didn't happen. It's now one of the most socially deprived towns in Roscommon and in the state and there's good people obviously living in those communities so we have to make sure that there's good planning in the first instance that we engage with local communities listen and engage and have uh, conversations with them but also to properly resource those communities and the failure to do that is creating an anger and we can make sure that anger isn't there by doing the good planning, by having oh, the right. engagement and proper resourcing of those communities when additional people are coming in, which isn't happening and is creating Brendan. an unnecessary uh, uh, confusion, I think.
0: Yeah, uh, David speaks about the anger and we can see that down there. Is it putting the guards in a difficult position here? And if this blockade isn't lifted and we're a number of days into this, what will the Guardian do or can they do anything?
7: Well, I suppose... The policing response would be an operational decision that would be taken by management. But it is part of the overall picture. We see those that footage tonight or today from there, We see guards that are present there. So that's guards that have been taken off other duties. So we see this as having huge potential to stretch the blue, the thin blue line even further because our issue at the moment is falling guard in numbers. And the workforce that we have are very much... A, Overworked, overstrained. We'd see that in fatigue, and our members were struggling to provide a basic service in relation to the day to day police requirements. So, this is placing additional burdens. So, OK,
0: but can that blockade be removed by Gardee?
7: Well, that would be an operational decision as to whether that capability is there or whether that's actually an appropriate response. That wouldn't be for me to comment on. But I mean, a Gardee Shikona has the capability to remove protests if it came to that.
0: OK, I just want to uh, go to a report that Claire Brack did uh, a little earlier today because the issue of where to house refugees is not just happening in Clare we're seeing many people living in temp- tents in Dublin city centre earlier Clare spoke to some of those people
6: You've been living in this tent since the, the 30th of March Yeah how, how, have you, how have you found it? You said you weren't expecting that when you arrived to Ireland How has it been for you? So, because, first of all, I was
8: sleeping in sleeping bag, uh, in W1, GPO area, the Spire area. But there's a lot of crackers, a lot of people dependent of drugs. So some guy stole my, my backpack, he stole some, some material, my, my wallet. I don't have my wallet, my credit card, drive license from Brazil, document from Portugal. After the protest... Uh-huh. Before the protest, I feel like five, 50% uh, safety. 50% safety.
6: And now, as as
8: the intent. After the protest, 20%. Why did you come to Ireland, Lucas? Because in Brazil, my situation, like the political moment, is is not perfect. If you're from poor community like me. Uh, you, you can see drugs, weapons. No, it's not good for my. I wanna be, I wanna be a family and kids or something like this. Poor community, in Brazil is not my my place to to ed, ed, give education
6: to my kids. Are you hopeful that you won't be in that tent for much longer? Are you hopeful you will get somewhere to stay?
8: I hope, I hope so. I probably I have a, have a good God and God. I have a gospel in my life, so I hope in three months, three weeks or one month, I, I don't hear more.
6: I hope so. Since you arrived into the country, you have been walking the streets and sleeping by day in the mosque in the city centre. Is that your, your situation right now?
8: Yeah, it's my situation, yeah. It's my situation, yeah. Yeah, I can't sleep because uh, we don't have home, we don't have accommodation, yeah. Yeah, it's logically we can't sleep. Yeah, and I stress, I stress, and uh, even at the mosque I can't sleep. I sleep maybe thirty minutes because uh, this
6: situation is not, it's not easy. It's difficult to be homeless. And what have you been told about accommodation and emergency accommodation?
8: Yeah, uh, the IPU told us there is no accommodation. We have to wait and. Uh, some people told us we have to wait maybe two months, maybe more, maybe less. We, we don't have any idea about the situation of commendation here. Yeah. My name is uh, Jesus Benitez and my situation is... Uh, I am living here in, uh, outside IPO uh, in tents, Uh Near one month. Because I don't I have a permit of war, then my my money for pay rent is finished. And, And I come here.
6: And in this particular situation, being homeless right now, are you hopeful that you will find accommodation soon? Have you been told that there will be accommodation for you by this weekend?
8: Uh, uh, Only uh, I pass, save me. Sorry, the call. uh, Save me. You have to wait. Uh, You have to wait uh, every time. I have sent email for I Only say you have to wait, you have to wait, and oh, and after forget.
6: You spoke on the door yesterday about this situation, about the number of people sleeping rough here, waiting for emergency accommodation. And have you received any update, or have you any knowledge of of you know the, the fate for these people now and where they may go to next, and how long they're likely to remain on here?
9: Well, I believe it's shameful in a wealthy European country that we are seeing people forced to sleep on the street in tents because we cannot provide them with accommodation. We know that there are several hundred people now in this position forced to sleep on the streets, some here in my own constituency just off Mount Street. As recently as Saturday, I was assured by Minister O'Gorman that there would be sufficient accommodation on stream this week to ensure that nobody would be forced to sleep on the streets, that none of the people currently here on and around Mount Street would be uh, still in We're still to see that coming on stream, clearly. There's real concerns about uh, about access to premises, for example, in Clare, where we've seen the protests. What we're clearly seeing is a lack of coordination, a lack of a coherent, coordinated government response. Minister O'Gorman's department has been left to shoulder the entire responsibility of housing those who come here seeking refuge. Simply not good enough. I've called on the Taoiseach to take hold of this, to coordinate this centrally, and request and require that all government departments do their share. We know even in a uh, stone's throw from here, there are empty, large premises, Juries Hotel, Bagot Street Hospital, other vacant office premises that could be repurposed urgently and swiftly to provide shelter to those who are, see- see- who are seeking refuge here and whose homes were burnt out so shamefully at the weekend.
0: Ivana Bacic there talking about, I suppose, the incident at the weekend and the concern she would have for those people sleeping in tents. Are the guardi concerned, Brendan, about this situation?
7: Well I think that uh, there has been some high level meetings between the minister and the Garda Commissioner in, in in the last couple of days so, so there is concern absolutely that this problem may escalate and we as a representative body who represent the frontline Garda who respond have a concern about the response capability and the resilience of the organisation to be able to provide an adequate response should it escalate.
0: What do you mean by that you're concerned about resilience is that just numbers of bodies in the streets? or training to know what to do in this type of situation? Well, our initial
7: concern is numbers on the street. I mean, there's been very high-profile discussion around the city centre and and a lack of Garda presence, both from people using the city centre and from traders. So the numbers in the B district where this has taken place have been depleted in recent years. We see a downward trajectory. We see that despite um, government promises, we actually believe in, in the GRA that the, that the number of Garda that the 31st of December this year would be less than it was on the 1st of January. And we'd be the first to come here and say we got it wrong if that's not the case. So then we are into the issues of training and whether the Guardi who are actually dispatched to deal with these situations are they properly trained to, to deal with the situation because it's a very difficult very complex situation there's social tension there's criminality there's public order so certainly we need to see uh, leadership and support and a proper policing plan that our members have confidence in that they can go out and and, and police these protests because another element is that guards are turning up they're having uh, mobile phones shoved in their face they're being antagonized they're being uh, subjected to abuse, and it's a very challenging, difficult environment for an already overburdened workforce, and that's what we have concerns.
0: Yeah, the Taoiseach uh, was also talking about sort of concerns about, you know, far right extremists, and their presence at some of these some of these um, protests, but he said that he'd, they'd be working with the Guardi to try and identify... These people—is that actually happening? Do you have the ability to do that?
7: Well, look, that's a very much a very specialised field within garage economy to identify people that are motivated by political means. But I think that the concern for us immediately is for our members and our members' welfare and their safety, and the ability to respond safely to these environments, and be able to provide that response to it as it, as it, as it arises. Because we certainly believe that there are that there's a serious deficit in resources and an ability to deal effectively if it escalates.
0: And your concern is that it might. Escalate, And given, I suppose, what we saw at the weekend and you see that these sort of tented um, areas are, are, are you know, occurring kind of across the city, those concerns from the Gardaí would seem legitimate.
1: Absolutely. And the intimidation that we're seeing is absolutely unacceptable. We have to take a zero-tolerance approach to that. And I want to support on Gardaí Sia and we have to do more to resource them because it is difficult and it is a challenge. But we also have to accept that in 21st century Ireland, nobody, whether they're Irish or seeking international protection should be living in tents. So in the location where we had protests in Dublin over the weekend, we have a former hospital site, the former Juries hotel site, that should and could be repurposed to provide accommodation. We obviously have a lot of anger at government in relation to housing. And I would say to decent people, do not use that anger and turn that anger on vulnerable people. There are plenty of ways in which we can use that anger to take it out on government. There's lots of campaigns, lots of protests that are legitimate, that are family friendly, that's what people should do. But intimidating people who are seeking international protection is unacceptable the government have to do more to plan they have to do more to engage I would agree as well in terms of the need to engage with the minister for health the minister for education the minister for social protection we need to see much more heavy lifting from all of those because it does seem to me there's no one minister in charge as far as I can see across all of that and we don't have that cross-cutting across departments the failure to plan the failure to engage but also the failure to resource communities is causing a frustration that can be dealt with if we had better responses from government. Yeah, and, and I say that, those by the way, I say sorry. that by saying that there should be a zero-tolerance approach to any form of inti- intimidation. There's no justification for that.
0: OK, speaking of sort of frustrations and tensions, as purported today, Martin, there's, there's also tensions within government, tensions because Roderick Gorman's department, I think, feels, as uh, Ivana Batrick said there, mm-hmm. that they have been left to shoulder the entire responsibility for this. And it was interesting to listen to Roderick O'Gorman today because he sort of repeatedly emphasised that everyone, everyone needs to do more, i.e., other departments. Is there tension there? Has he been left on his own?
5: He certainly hasn't been left on his own. And, um, you know, I mean, you were talking about the high level meetings between uh, Minister Harris and um, uh, the Commissioner. Uh, like, what's happening and these protests, and I agree with David Colnan on one point, and that is, um, you know, there is a, it seems to be an increase in the far right. Um, actively engaging in these protests. It's horrific to think that that's now happening in Ireland. Uh, and I would just encourage people um, who may be uh, inclined uh, to join some of these protests, absolutely do not take any frustrations OK, so you're saying, look, the
0: minister's not isolated, but Brandon's saying that a lot of the guards are feeling a little bit isolated yeah. in these situations. Look, but it's
5: very, very difficult. It's a new phenomenon in this country. Um, we've only seen that in very recent years. And, uh, like, it, it, like it, it does require, I would imagine, a, a new type of policing. And certainly from a government perspective, and I'm sure the meeting between the Minister and the Guard Commissioner today uh, did focus uh, around resources. And okay. I have no doubt whatsoever that the Minister will make whatever resources are necessary available to Drew Harris uh, in order uh, to ensure that his operation right. of these protests... That hasn't happened. All right, no, look, no we're going to have to leave I that do do there don't don't the for now. All.
0: Don't know we have to leave that there for now. But my thanks to Brendan O'Connor for coming in to us from the GRA this evening. Up next, tens of thousands of hospital appointments and procedures have been cancelled this year. Why is this happening? We will discuss this next. figures show that hospital cancellations are up 70% on the same time last year. 85,000 appointments or procedures have been cancelled so far this year. David Cullinan and Martin Conway are still with me. Uh, David, you get these figures uh, every single month. Why they increase? What are they putting it down to?
1: It's obviously down to overcrowding in hospitals and and we know that the average wait time for people to get admission to a bed in emergency departments so far this year has been almost 12 hours. In some cases, it's 24 hours. So obviously, there's a real crisis in in emergency departments. That leads to hospital cancellations, so it's hospital procedures, outpatient appointments. But for 85,000 procedures so far this year to be cancelled is huge. It's almost a 60% increase. And this, of course, the
0: backdrop to this is... Waiting lists that are really quite out of control. Yes, and, in and there was an increase. In so from
1: the first of January up to the end of April this year, twenty thousand more people have been added to the health waiting lists. And I said this in January. I was on this program and we had almost a thousand people on hospital trolleys in, in early January. And I said what was happening is we were shifting the burden and the crisis from one part of the health service to the other. We're not solving the problems in emergency departments, but when it gets tough in emergency departments, some of the numbers get very high, and we get over one hundred percent occupancy in terms of beds. Uh, procedures are cancelled and that's not without it is. consequences. These are people who need checkups, who need procedures and we're delaying care for tens of thousands of people. So we're not putting in the capacity, it's in part hospital capacity but it's also primary care and community care. People can't get access to a GP, we're not providing care in the community for people. Far too many people are ending up in emergency departments who should be cared for elsewhere. And that's what's happened because of the chronic underfunding and I would say mismanagement politically of our health services.
0: Yeah, Martin, 85,000 appointments cancelled. People who we would assume have been waiting a long time for those appointments. And the HSE are saying this is because of factors outside of their control. So was this landing at the foot of the Department of Health and the government?
5: Well, look, each and every one of those 85,000 appointments were cancelled. You wouldn't, nobody wants to see them cancelled. But people will remember, and particularly even in my area, the Midwest, Limerick, Clare, Tipperary, uh, uh, the situation that existed in emergency departments immediately after Christmas this year uh, was frightening. I mean, there was a major incident uh, upscaled in in, uh, the Midwest Hospital in Limerick. And resulting from that then, were, uh, uh, procedures were cancelled.
0: No, but these are these procedures were cancelled January, yeah. February, 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 March, March April, yeah. and April, and May. The, the winter fact, hospital in crisis. In fact, April was, was yeah. the biggest, but, figure,
5: uh, highest it, figure. But the, the, of course, um, you know the the, the, uh, the numbers in EDs. Uh, you know, we weren't just uh, confined to January. They we're also confined. That's the problem. To it's an all year problem. That's what and, we're and saying. As, and as David well knows, um, uh, you know, there is a capacity issue in in some of our emergency departments, uh, but there is significant capital investment. For example, in Limerick, there's a new 96-bed block coming on stream, hopefully early next year. Uh, we're hoping to have an announcement very soon on a second 96 bed block because the only way that we will be able to deal with the situation in accident and emergency is by building capacity. Alright, so but David, there is listen,
0: capacity listen, being built here. You
5: can't click your fingers listen, and uh, build capacity overnight. It's very
1: frustrating for people no. who are listening. If you're one of those people who've had your procedure cancelled or you're waiting hours in an emergency department to be told you can't click your fingers. Well, you Since the foundation of the state, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael have been in government, come on, you've no. had Plenty of time to sort out problems in healthcare. You haven't done it. Uh, We need more hospital capacity, absolutely. But if you want to really understand what's happening, look at the fact that people can't get access to weatherverse GP care, people with chronic pain who should be managed in the community uh, are not being managed in the community. And also, the home uh, support uh, uh, waiting lists have gone up from 4,000 to 6,000. So, right across all of those waiting lists, they're going up and going in the wrong direction. People are waiting too uh, long. uh, And then throwing your hands up in the air and saying, this can't be solved overnight, David, doesn't bosh when he's David been in government con- for too David, long.
5: Con- David conveniently forgets that we're after going through a, a, a very serious pandemic for uh, two and, and a half not three, three, two, two, It's not COVID. fault. Two, it's your two, two,
1: fault it's your
7: government's fault. I think
0: the issues around hospital capacity existed long before It's, all, it's COVID, also, it's
5: also very important to point out that one and a half million people in 2022 Uh, uh, were taken off waiting lists. I think it was actually
0: 1.56 million were taken off, 1.53 were put back on. So I think there was a 30,000 reduction in that waiting list. But But it's gone up, BC, from January
1: to April, so you're actually reversing that.
5: The point is over 1.5 million people uh, did get their procedures in 2022. And just because people come off doesn't mean other people don't go on. Uh, But, look, I'd like to think that, you know, there's a new CEO of the HSE who actually gets the issue uh, when it comes to wait lists. He has been before our committee twice. He's coming before us again next week. Uh, I think. We need a Minister oh, for Health uh, that gets it uh, and, yeah, and uh, will work uh, with him. Uh, and uh, I want yeah, to cou- be that cou- Minister coupled, for coupled, Health. Coupled, coupled with that, um, you, you, we now have a multi-annual uh, okay. winter, to winter go plan here. as opposed to uh, 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 a rushed right. winter plan. We uh, have to go here. We're David Cullinan
0: and Martin Conway, thank you for joining us this evening. That's it from most. Our programme is available as a podcast on all major platforms. And you can find us on Instagram and TikTok tonight at From all the team
5: here, good night.